glad you joined us for New Hope's Sermon of the Week. For more resources, be sure to contact newhopecom.org. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. I want to call, um, in a minute here, just call out, uh, if you're new to New Hope, you may not be all that familiar, but Bill and Mary Smith have been missionaries out of New Hope for 25 years. This is a, and they're here for today, and this is it, and then they are out on the road. So um, we've had this planned for a while. There's been something the Lord's been stirring in their hearts for this next season, and I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to come on up and share, and then I'm going to share with some things also. Now, for everyone else who is not new, this is part of the family. So, Hi, family. <laughs> we are so happy to be here. You know, every time we come, it, like we so enjoy it. Visit with everybody, eating and sharing what God is doing in Mexico. And we are so excited to be here and to tell you uh, what's going on. Last time we were here last year, uh, we didn't tell you, but we, they told us that we were about to lose our building where we had church for over 10 years. So anyway, we got back to Mexico and I was like, God, what do you wanna do? You know, it's like they're asking for the building. We don't know what's gonna happen. But short story, we got a new building. We are like a mile from the old building. So we started to do a lot of fixing, painting, and you know, a bunch of work. So we don't know, we know what you guys went through with the cafe because we did a lot of that. So, but anyway, God was so good to us that last summer we had our first event for kids. And we were like, okay, see what God is going to do. We put a table in front of the church. They put a market on Saturdays in front of the church. And we just put a sign, you know, we're going to have a summer school for five days. Just bring your kids from 9 in the morning until 1.30. And, you know, I was... I wasn't expecting many kids, but, you know, I was prepared for 120 kids. Where God blew my mind, and we had between 80 and 95 kids that came, and I was so, so excited to be sewing in that neighborhood with those kids. You know, we fed them, we shared the love of God with them, and we saw amazing things. So out of that, did you guys remember we were doing the breakfast? For the ladies, anyway, because they put the market in front of the church on Saturdays, we were not doing the breakfast, but we start doing uh, coffee and cake for the for the moms, for the ladies. So it was so interesting, you know. We had one of those in the church, and you know, new moms were there, and I went to them to introduce myself and say, "Hi, my name is Mary. I'm so happy you're here. So, how do you find out about this?" And she turns around and says, my kid brought me. And I was like, what? Yeah, this is my kid. And, you know, they told me you guys are going to have this. And I just came. So, you know, I have my little kids. They were introducing their moms to church. And I was so, so, so happy to see that that seed that we saw with those kids was bearing fruit. So we are so excited to to be in our new house because we've been there since 
May, that's the first, the first Sunday we had in that church. And to see how the neighbors around us, yeah. you know, are embracing us and like really, really open to us. And, you know, we have talked to them and say, you know, we just want to bless this neighborhood. We just want to bless these kids. And, you know, God is being such, you know, amazing, you know. And, you know, that's a little bit of what is happening in that side. And there's another side that I want Bill to share a little bit. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Mary. Please, please. She's much better at it than I am. Um, you can see our website that just launched. Yet, well, it didn't launch yesterday, but we told the whole world about it yesterday. Um, is up Los Smith, Los Smith, I guess is how you would say it, right? Dot mx because we're in Mexico. So, um, if you guys want to go, you can check it out. We have a blog that doesn't have anything in it yet, but it will very soon. We are on the road, so it's kind of a little difficult to be able to, to write and tell about everything that's happening, but very soon we will. Um, we're just thankful for all of your support, your love. Um, we were telling somebody at the advance that we had been out of this church for 25 years or so, and their eyes got about this big, and, and um, yeah, the emotion's going to get me. You guys just don't know. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of people want to serve God, and they go out. And after about two years, they can't make it anymore because they have no support. And um, they don't have a home. They may have money, but they don't have a home. They don't have people that are behind them. And, and we're so thankful to you, uh, all of you that have been with us so long, and you that are new here. Uh, just for us, it's a blessing. And we love you guys. We're thankful for everything that God's doing in Mexico. We've been able to, uh, we're, we have formed part of what is Global Legacy which is Bethel Redding's uh, global network. Um, we're on the board of directors of Global Legacy in Mexico, Latin America. And God is giving us an opportunity to bring um, this message of freedom that John has brought to us and, and other people that we hear. And we're, we're pushing that forward in Mexico. And so... Uh, we just are seeing a lot of really good things happening there, a lot of young people coming into freedom. So, again, that really, it all comes back to this little house right here. And um, that tells us how much we can impact the world. So, thanks. Love you guys. Uh, thank you, guys. You know, I just want to say a few things, too, about that. Um, they're going to be around afterwards. They have these neat cards here called Kingdom. It says Kingdom Collaboration. Um, so take one of these. Find them afterwards. Um, you know, New Hope has been supporting Bill and Mary for 25 years, uh, but it's, it's going to a new level. And I think God is doing new things even in them. And I want to validate, too, even as a senior leader here, like, you know, there's people we support. We have Nate and Laura are here, too. They're supported by New Hope, and they're awesome. We could have a whole Sunday with just hearing from them as well. Um, but I just want to also just, while Bill and Mary are here, too, just say, you know, there are people that you look for. You know, a lot of people want to be supported by churches. And I look for those that have a clear mission. And what is the heart behind it? And is there a defined mission? And they have a defined mission. They are on the forefront in Mexico of leading a movement of revealing the kingdom of God there and women in ministry and, you know, I mean, just so many other things. Um, Global Legacy, Danny Silk being there. You know, Bill is up on stage there with Danny Silk speaking to Mexico. 
I mean, God, they're, they're on the forefront of leading a movement of what's happening here down there. Bill and Mary have gone through the Walton Academy. They carry the same heart and the same message. So I just want to encourage us as a body if, you know, I mean, all of us, hopefully, we're all sowing in here, right? I mean, there's a, you're, you're sowing into the place, your heart is here, you're sowing into church, and you're, you know, your place where you worship and all this stuff and to cover the people that labor to support it. But we should also have those things above and beyond where God puts things on your heart and you're sowing in offerings to certain things like a lifestyle of offerings in giving and sowing. And hopefully all of us are getting to that point where it's getting easy to just jump on and you see someone like them and, you know, I want to get behind that and I'm going to sacrifice some things to be able to make that happen. This is an example and this is a very good cause. These are good people. They're mothers and fathers to us. You know, they look at us as covering, spiritual covering, but we look to them as mothers and fathers and leaders in the body of Christ. And I mean that. They'll come over to our house, they cook for us, they make wonderful things. We have, could talk all night and just have a blast with them. But they carry something that we need and that the body of Christ needs. So they are looking for 100 partners at $20 per month. You know, I don't know about you, but $20 per month is like, I don't know, what is it, one cup of coffee a week, two cups of coffee a week or something. I mean, it's, it's so easy. So, so many can do more than that. So, but if you can't do more than that, then start here and do 100, be one of the 100 partners at 20, $20 per month. And you can find that, do this on the website, right? You can go to the website, you can sign up to become a partner, losmith.mx for Mexico. So pick up one of these cards, find them later, and get behind what they're doing. You know, this is a new level. There's more support needed than where they have been. So, uh, so I just want to thank you guys, too, for being here, and we love you. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Now we have a special treat. I can't believe it's been just a little over a year since God called Will and Rachel LaMonica and family to move from Colorado to New Hope. And uh, many of us have been getting to know them and just so blessed by them. So Will is going to be bringing the message. So give a nice hand for Will LaMonica. So. All right. Is this thing on here? Perfect. Let's see. I'm going to put this here. How are you doing this morning? Good? Nice. Somebody's awake over here. Uh, which reminds me. We're getting ready to launch Wake Young Adults yeah. on Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great launch because we've been noticing that our church, we've just been growing in young adults. A lot of us have been coming and that community has been growing and it hasn't been getting as much attention as, as we'd like to give it. And we really believe that God wants to create a movement of young adults here in our region. So that's what we're really going after. We're going to be doing it in the Awakening Cafe. Uh, obviously, the name says it all. You can't really see it on the screen. You're right, Ben. It's like weird. I don't know what it's like. This, this is for perfection. We're going to have perfection <laughs> theology being preached every Friday, every other Friday. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> this is a performance thing, you know? Anyways. If, uh, if you're a young adult or you know a young adult that, that would like to come, uh, then just let them know. We're going to have some flyers available next Sunday that you can take to strategically invite people. It's not the kind of flyer where you just go and like litter a whole neighborhood with it. It's the kind of flyer that you hand to somebody you think would really be interested 
in coming to that. So, and obviously it's 18 and, 18 and up, but we're not gonna define where a young adult ends because some of you probably feel like a young adult and you're not, but you can come. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. So we'll, like, we'll let you guys define what that means. So anyways, so this morning I'm going to pray. We're going to jump in. So Holy Spirit, just open up our hearts to receive your word. Uh, yeah. God, thank you that we get this time together. And I just pray for revelation that would change our lives, God, moving yeah. forward. And that you would give me the ability to speak what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So have you guys ever had something really sweet, really, really sweet? And then... You try something else that's sweet, but it's just a little less sweet or a lot less sweet, and you can't even really taste it. That's what it feels like preaching after Danny Silk. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I'm like, how do you even follow that? We have the summit, we have all these amazing speakers from all over the country, and, and then you have Danny Silk preaching on Sunday. It's like, we're, you're gonna follow Danny Silk, and we're like, okay, I hope this tastes good because that was amazing. So, anyways, but I've been thinking about how to move from the summit and from what Danny brought last Sunday and where are we going as a house? What, what can I speak to after a moment like that, which is one of the most pivotal moments of our church in our entire year. And, and between the Welton Academy and New Hope, there's just this divine synergy that's happening and this momentum that's building. And um, it's really hard to tell where the line is between one or the other at times. It's like, where does Welton Academy end and New Hope begin? I'm not really sure, but it's kind of like a rainbow. You know, you can't really tell where red becomes orange sometimes. So, um, but it's really working together. And with Danny's word last week on discernment, uh, I wanted to piggyback off of that and talk towards honor this morning because when Rachel and I spent about three years in Reading, it was just beat into us. I mean, that was like, uh, if you didn't get that by the time you leave Reading, then you probably weren't really paying attention because it's like <laughs> the main DNA of everything that's happening there. And, um, but in order to get to that, I just wanted to share a story of something the Lord did and how he even led us to Reading and how that all ties into honor and what that means for us moving forward. And uh, it was, man, Rachel and I had just gotten married in uh, 2006, and then we shortly after that had moved to Ireland um, for a job opportunity. And while we were living out there, I was in a really rough spot, but I saw so I'd sit out on the porch every night smoking cigarettes and listening to Bill Johnson podcasts. Um, no joke, that was like where I was at. But it was just this moment, even though I was smoking cigarettes every night and I was out on the porch, God was doing something. It was just like, we were in a really rough spot, but God was ministering and he was doing something in my heart. And while we're out there, I have this dream where, and some of you may have heard this story before, but I had this dream, I'm in Redding, California, and I'm standing in the back row and Bill Johnson is preaching. And if any of you aren't familiar with Bethel Church, it's a church in California that's experiencing an amazing move of God, and it's been going on for a number of years, and it's awesome. You should look it up. Uh, but I'm, I'm there at this church in the dream, which I had never been to before, and Bill is preaching on a verse in the Old Testament that's imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today. That's what he said. This verse is imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today. Then he gets off stage he begins to walk around the building, and I'm watching him out of my peripheral vision. And while he's walking down the side of the building, and I'm keeping my eye on him, this woman gets up on stage, and she begins to prophesy about focusing our hearts onto eternal relationships. She's saying, we need to focus our hearts onto eternal relationships. And when Bill gets about eight feet away from me, he said, Will, Will, 
And I turn, and I'm holding my Bible open to the verse that he was preaching on, and I knew I was about to get the prophetic word of a lifetime. Like, I began to tremble. I began to feel like I was going to cry. And he goes, Will. And he looks me right in my eyes, and he goes, You know, it's extraordinary that. And then my phone rang, and I woke up. <laughs> I was so frustrated. I couldn't believe it. It's like, you got to be kidding me. Dad called me on the phone. I woke up from a dream that was going to be one of the most significant words I've ever received. I was so upset. So, but I decided, I was like, I can't just let this go. I need to figure out what that verse was that he was talking about. I couldn't remember what the verse said, what book it was in, or anything about it. All I had was a photographic memory of the precise location of it in my Bible. I knew that it was the first and second verse of an Old Testament book. In the second chapter, on the right-hand page, in the right-hand column, in the middle of the, the second chapter was the first and second verse, had to start in the middle of the right-hand column. I knew it was that specific. So I opened my Bible and I went to the first chapter of Genesis. Nope, each Old Testament book until I could find any verse that fit the exact criteria of what I saw in my dream. And there was only one in the entire Old Testament that fit that exact criteria. It was 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it talked of Elisha following Elijah to where? Bethel, which is where I was in my dream. But I know this is not the same Bethel, but I knew there was a coincidence, which if anyone is getting to know me, the way that God speaks to me all the time is through divine coincidence. I live <laughs> off of it. I thrive off of it. Somebody might say, oh, yeah, whatever. But for me, I'm like, no, this is a big deal. I just had a dream. I was at Bethel. I couldn't remember what the verse was. I find the precise location. It talks about Elisha following Elijah to Bethel. So I freak out. I run over to Rachel. I wake her up. I'm like, Rachel, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. This is crazy. And she's like, what are you even talking about? Like, you know, you ever have somebody like get so excited about something and they try to relay it and they're just in a completely different world? That was, I was the one in a completely different world. And she's like, I'm just trying to wake up. And you're talking about some Bible verse. Uh, but I felt immediately like, hey, maybe we're supposed to move there, which is funny. I like jumped to the ultimate conclusion right away. And <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and and uh, so that verse kind of sat with me for a while uh, and we eventually moved back to Colorado and the dream just kind of sat on the shelf Did nothing happened with it but it was always hanging over our heads and at some point we decided well maybe we just need to go and visit Reading and see what this is all about because I couldn't, I couldn't let that go so uh, we take a train ride out to Bethel one one month for a conference or something, and um, we, we go to the conference, and at the end of the conference, Bill is greeting people at the back door, and I decided that I need to go and talk to him and have him finish his sentence. <laughs> so I, I waited in line, everybody's trying to greet him, and I walk up to him and I said, look, Bill, I had this dream, this is why I'm here, I need you to finish your sentence. This is real life, this is not a dream. He goes, wow. Like, kind of like, what the heck are you supposed to say to something like that? And then he just pauses for a moment, and like one of those classic Bill Johnson one-liners, he goes, you know, it's not a sentence that needs to be finished. It's a lifestyle that needs to be lived. And then he prayed over me, and I shook like a jackhammer for the next 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, while we were out there, Rachel and I, <laughs> it was the craziest thing. And I realized he did finish his sentence when I really think about it. Will, you know it's extraordinary that it's not a sentence that needs to be finished, but a lifestyle that needs to be lived. And, and for, for us, I think it's important to know that our journey and our destiny and everything that we're doing with the Lord is never about a particular pinnacle moment or a climactic moment in our life. There will be many of those mountaintop 
moments, but it ultimately is about a journey that is gonna continue on and on, and you're actually smack dab in the middle of your destiny right now, yeah, yeah. and you are just moving along this journey yeah. with the Lord, and even into eternity, there's gonna be continual destiny and motion, so we get to enjoy that. We don't need to feel like we've missed our mark or missed the moment because it's multiple moments throughout your entire journey with the Lord, no matter how old you are, how young yeah. you are. So when we're out there, this is a side story, but I feel liberty to tell it. When we were sleeping in the hotel, uh, I had this crazy dream when we were in Reading visiting, and it was one of those twilight zone dreams where you're kind of like, you feel like you're awake, but you're actually sleeping and you can see the whole room. And while I was sleeping, I had this experience where there were five angels standing around the bed all around me, and Jesus was there as well to the right side. And the entire night, I was communicating with the angel to the right of my bed without words. This was a completely nonverbal communication, but I knew we were having a conversation for the entire night. And, but I couldn't see them. This was a, they were invisible. It was just a knowing, but I could see the room. I woke up from that experience, and it felt like I was awake all night, but it felt like I had the best night's sleep of my entire life. And I'm sitting there pondering what had happened, and Rachel wakes up and rolls over, and she goes, man, I had this crazy dream that there were five angels standing around the bed last night. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me right now. So that was just one of those moments where we were like, okay, I think we're supposed to move out here. And uh, anyways, so a year later, we end up moving to Reading, and uh, while we were out there, the verse that was imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today was something that continually unrolled and, and, and God unpackaged for us. And you can put that verse on the screen, but it's Elisha followed Elijah to Bethel. And if any of you guys know this story, uh, this is the conference hopper's favorite verse because everybody's looking for a double portion like we want our Big Mac, you know, double with, give me a double, give it to me with cheese. Uh, and he, Elisha is following Elijah for the purpose of receiving a double portion of everything that he carries. And Elijah says, well, you've asked a hard thing. Uh, in order for you to get that, you have to see me when I'm taken up. And we've heard this a lot. This verse is one of, like I said, it's a conference hopper's favorite verse. And actually, that's really not a knock towards conference hopping because uh, I probably wouldn't have had 90% of the experiences that I've had with the Lord if I wasn't hungry and pursuing God, especially when I awakened to the supernatural. And when you awaken to the supernatural, it's like a big giant buffet that's spread out before you that you never knew was there. And you just get to go and like go everywhere and just receive. It's like freely take of anything that you want. So um, it's important to understand that this verse is used in that context of receiving a double portion from people that we, we have laid hands on us and impartation. But when Elisha, when Elijah says to Elisha, you have to see me be taken up, uh, I know that that's a physical eyeball thing, but for the purpose of what I'm talking about with honor today, I want you to look at it as a little bit different of when I'm taken up, if you see me, not just see me with your eyeballs, but if you see me, if you know me, if you have that relationship with me, then it's yours. This double portion is yours if you know me, if you can see me as your father or as a, as for who I truly am. And we want to go to conferences and we want to get hands laid on us, and that's important. Hands being laid on us and impartation actually is super powerful and we can't throw that out. But a lot of impartation that is going to be deeper and longer lasting and something that is going to really be an inheritance for the next generation is an impartation that comes through mother-daughter, uh, mother uh, parent-son relationships, like, a, like Elisha to Elijah, where 
Elisha was pursuing his father in a way where he was not willing to leave him no matter what. There was a loyalty that was happening there. He was like, I will not leave you, your side. I'm going to receive what you have. He wasn't just at a one-night stand uh, conference where he was receiving an impartation and then getting out. He was committed with loyalty and honor for what was on Elijah's life, and he was determined to get it. And he could only receive it if he saw him. And for us, it's going to be important moving forward. If we want to receive inheritance, if we want to receive impartation, there's a level of impartation that's going to come that's way, way deeper that's only going to come through relationship. It's only going to come through being committed and loyal to those who have gone before you. Um, so with this honor thing, I just want to speak to what is honor a little bit too because we throw this word around a lot. And one of the first places that it shows up is obviously in Ten Commandments when it says honor your mother and father uh, so that your life will be long in the land that I'm giving you. And we've heard it said before multiple times that life flows through honor, and that's 100% true. Uh, the word honor there is the word kabod, which is also often translated for glory, which is a weighty glory. It's a heavy glory, and it means to give weight to. Uh, so when we consider giving one another honor or giving another person honor, it's giving weight to that person. In the New Testament, in the Greek, when you see honor used with Jesus, he's basically saying, you know, honor, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, and you're going to receive a prophet's reward, honor a righteous man, or receive a righteous man in the name. Uh, when it's spoken there, or a prophet's without honor in his own hometown, when it's spoken there, it's, it's a word that has to do with monetary value or calculating the value or the, the, uh, how much something is worth. So when we look at honor, we look at, there's kind of two things that I wanted to focus on, which is giving weight to something and determining the value of something. And honor is one of those things that when you give weight to something or someone, it increases your capacity to receive. So the greater your honor, the wider your receiving barrel. So it's like, I see the more you have honor, the wider you're able to receive, the more you're able to take in. And even if you do have a father that's like a distant father, where you know, you've been listening to all their podcasts, reading all their books, and you go to the conference and you get their hands laid on you, if you had not had a wide level of honor, then it wouldn't have mattered if they laid hands on you. You probably wouldn't have received what was getting poured out. So that the, the wider your honor, the more weight you're giving something, the more value you're giving to someone or something, the more you're able to receive what is being released. And uh, what you focus on, you make room for, what you honor increases in your life. And this has to do with what people are carrying. This also has to do with uh, even manifestations of the Spirit. If you have a certain movement that really honors evangelism, they're going to experience a more uh, they're going to experience a higher level of salvation. They're going to experience a higher rate of people coming to Christ because they've honored that facet of Christianity. They've honored that manifestation. Uh, and you can look at this in any stream at all. Healing. Uh, holy laughter. All these things. And some things we're afraid to honor them because we don't really want them to show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to honor that because last time I honored that, that's why the Bible says we need to not despise prophecy because when they started honoring it and it started to show up in ways that made people feel uncomfortable, they decided to pull back from it and honor it less and it hindered us receiving that particular grace that God wants to pour out. So if we can learn to grow in honor, even with things that make us feel uncomfortable, even maybe somebody's laughing and experiencing a divine manifestation of the Holy Spirit and they're shaking on the ground and, well, if we choose to honor that little, we'll see little of that. And I think the fear sometimes, if we honor that a lot, it'll show up too much, 
and people will leave the church. Or what if a new person comes? Well, the thing about that is you honor anything that God does, and it's going to increase it. We just want an increase of everything that God does. And what happens is sometimes people get so honoring of one particular manifestation, great or small. Like, let's use the manifestations of of shaking and, and laughing. Somebody begins to honor that so much that they forget that you can still honor the simple encounter that you have in your quiet time when you're reading the Bible and God gives you a revelation. We have to honor that just as much as we honor that. But we can't throw that out and we can't throw this out. We have to begin to learn, okay, let's widen our honor receiving barrel for no matter what type of encounter God wants to release because every single thing that he has is for us and it's for the benefit of people in the world. And uh, so am I making sense? Yeah. Just kind of like rolling here. Let me see where I'm at. So, um, yeah, same with like angels, man. Like uh, if, you, if you just honor the fact that God has ministering spirits and that angels exist and that he wants you to have dreams and visions, angelic encounters, well, then it'll increase um, just by the simple attention. Uh, our attention is one of the most powerful things that we have in the kingdom. Yeah. And what we give attention to does grow. Uh, I was thinking about the word that we consistently have over New Hope about us being a greenhouse, and I thought about, wow, that's going to really have to do a lot with how we look at people, uh, because what your eyes do is they cause increase on whatever they're giving attention to. So if we're going to be a greenhouse, then we have to pay attention to what our eyes are focused on, because that's going to be what has the most rapid growth. Um, And Danny was talking about discernment last week, and he was talking about how it's important for us not to use that gift as uh, justification to just find crappy things about people, um, but actually to find the gold. And that's also what honor is. That is honor, finding what is valuable about somebody and giving weight to that so that it can rise up, so that it can grow quickly, and then it begins to bless all of us. And we can receive from every person. It says, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, or receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, and you'll receive a prophet's reward. So there's the, there's the fivefold ministry person. You know, the minister comes to town, we receive his grace. But what about the righteous man? Receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, and you'll receive a righteous man's reward. That's every single one of us, to the right. left and to the right. right. We also, we're going to honor each other as righteous, and we're going to begin to receive what we carry on a, on a peer-to-peer level. Okay, so... Speaking of honor, let me just, uh, let me find my quick reference guide here so I can stay on track. So honor the prophet in the name of a prophet and receive a prophet's reward. Um, so as I was preparing, I, there's really just one thing I want you to take away from today because it's a prophetic word for New Hope, a word for us moving forward that I feel If you don't remember anything that I say today, remember this one thing, that New Hope is called to be a a hometown where prophets are honored in their own hometown. Um, Because you have this experience where Jesus goes to his own hometown and he can't do many miracles. Uh, That verse is Matthew 13.57, if you want to put that up. Uh, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he went to minister there and it said he could not do many miracles in that day. Because... What did we remember from that verse? This verse is imperative to understand for miracles that happen in the church today. Elisha followed Elijah. It's an honor thing. It's about everybody in Jesus' hometown didn't see Jesus for the prophet that he was. They didn't see Jesus for the Messiah that he was. And they had no idea that he was the Son of God. They saw him after the flesh. They saw Jesus as 
hey, we know your dad, we know your mom, we were changing your diapers when you were little, like, who are you coming to town thinking you're going to, like, raise the dead and heal the sick and give us a word, like, dude, we know that your mom slept around, you know, like, who are you to come and tell us something? So they saw him after his natural life. They saw him for who his mom was and who his dad was, who his brother and sisters were, the job that he had, and the fact that he grew up there. They didn't see him for the prophet that he'd become. And New Hope is called to be a hometown where prophets can be honored in the midst of their own family. That's what we're going to be. There's prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers. There's all of us arising, and if we don't see it and honor it for what it is, we're going to just be a family that's familiar with each other, but not familiar with each other after who we are in heavenly places and in the spirit, but just after the natural. So, um, now, if we're going to be, how are we going to actually do that? How is New Hope going to become a hometown where prophets are honored in their own hometown, uh, where apostles are honored in their own hometown? How is New Hope, how are we going to move to that? It's like a great idea, but how are we going to move to that place? Uh, all throughout the Proverbs, it talks about humility is always preceding honor. And in order for us to receive honor and then to give honor, we have to first step into a place of humility. And then that brings up the problem that humility is often seen as something of seeing yourself as lowly, seeing yourself as less than, seeing yourself in a degraded identity has been given, uh, has been given value in the body of Christ as humility. But actually, humility has everything to do with agreeing with God and seeing yourself the way he sees you. Because if you believe that you're a sinner, while God is saying that you're holy and righteous, then you're in pride because you're disagreeing with what the king is saying about you. So, in order to step into humility, you have to agree with your new identity as a new creation and how holy and righteous you are. If you are considered to be the body of Christ, that means that you are just as holy as Jesus. Because his body is one. There's not less holy parts of his body. It's all one. You're just as holy and righteous as him. There's no separation there. So, we have to step into understanding what it means to be a new creation as individuals, but then to see other people that way. Because we can't give honor unless we first received honor. We need to receive the honor. We need to receive the crown so we can lay it down. It's receiving that is going to be where we can then see other people in the same way. Which brings me, I don't think there's ever a time I preach where 2 Corinthians 5 doesn't come into the message somehow. But, you know... What's that verse? What's that quote? You, the gospel, we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. Uh, and there's some things that are just worth being repeated, like holy, 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 holy. Like we'll never get over that in heaven. Uh, and I'm never going to get tired of hearing about how I'm a new creation and that the old me is dead and gone. Amen. So, so where I'm going is we're called to be a hometown where prophets are honored in the midst of their own family. How do we get there? The first step, I believe, is having, stepping into a humble place of seeing ourselves the way God sees us so we can begin to see others the way God sees them as well. And that comes down to just a simple understanding of what happened to you when you were born again. When you received Jesus, your old self completely died. Every old part about you was disintegrated, co-crucified with Jesus. You're, you, were, you were given a vaccine against sin. You are now eternally immune to sin. And your old nature is neutralized. And now you've been given a new nature. So you died upon the cross with Jesus when you received God. And then he was buried. And so were you. That old you is 
forever buried, and now you are resurrected into newness of life. You're a new creation. Everything about you is holy and righteous and pure, and you're seated in heavenly places with him. Amen. Whether you feel it, whether you believe it, it's a reality. Right. Okay? Good. When you receive Amen. Jesus, that's the truth. It's really difficult to honor someone when you feel like a worm. When you feel like a sinner, the honor that you give someone doesn't really mean much. But if a king honors somebody, that means a lot more. So when you begin to see yourself as a king, when you begin to see yourself as royalty, as a queen, as a prince, as a princess, as an ambassador of the kingdom of God, and then you bestow honor, that's when it feels different. So let me just read this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.16 I'm going to read it from 16 down because I just noticed something last night that I didn't notice before, and I want to point it out to you. Are you guys following me? How much time do I got? Five minutes. Okay. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. And in another way of saying it, we know no one simply as a man. I estimate no one by what is external, we do not think of anybody in a merely human fashion. Our knowledge of men can no longer be based on their outward lives. And then he goes on to say, I used to think of Christ that way, but I do no longer. And then he goes on to say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The whole thrust of this verse, which we've used to take on a personal identity, which is perfect because we need to understand that, the thrust of this verse is actually all about how we see Christ and how we see other people based on them being a new creation. If you read it through, he's not saying I'm a new creation, although he is saying that, but he's talking about, I don't see anyone from a merely human point of view anymore, just in the same way that I don't see Christ anymore, because as he is, so are we in this world, and that's how we're called to see other people. That are, and, and so, I'm going to fast forward now to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. This is really cool. Because, you know, we can get this awesome confidence that comes from understanding our new identity in Christ. And, um, but I actually believe it's not about us. And if we just focus on our new identity all the time, then we're just going to become self-centered in a different way. Um, which is not the point. Okay? Um, and I noticed when I started to get the revelation of being a new creation, it was so amazing and I just dived headlong into it. But after a while, I noticed, I'm like, wait, I can't just focus on me being a new creation all the time. This needs to go somewhere. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I read this verse in Philippians uh, 2, chapter 2, uh, verse 3, starting verse 3, and I didn't understand it at first, but I spent a lot of time in it, and it began to come cl become clear to me. And it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal of God, with God. Okay, I'm just going to pause right there for a moment. It's saying, you need to have this same mindset as Jesus, who didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. Wait a second. So to even step into the next verse, you first need to understand that it's not robbery for you to share in his glory. It's not, it says other verses say to be forcibly retained, but what he's saying here is Jesus didn't feel like it was wrong for him to consider himself to be equal with God. 
I'm not saying we're equal with God, but I, remember I said we're just as holy as him, we're just as righteous because it's been a freely given gift, not because of our own performance. This is pretty intense to consider ourselves and have the same mindset. It takes us to a place where, like what Bill Vanderbush was talking at the summit, oh, you're preaching the deification of man. No, absolutely not. It's 100% about being dependent on him, but he's the one that elevated us. He's the one that honored us. We're not doing it on our own. It's not robbery to consider yourself equal with God. I don't know that makes me feel uncomfortable even saying it, but I'm reading the Bible. So, but that goes to the next step. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of uh, the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So, we take on this new identity. We receive the crown, but it's only for the purpose of laying it down and serving people. It's like we can grow in this great, amazing identity. We're a new creation. We're holy. We're righteous. But if it doesn't result in you laying that same identity down and serving others and then esteeming them as better than yourself, like the Bible talks about, then we're just becoming more and more self-absorbed in our new creation identity. And we need to have this same mind, which is taking on that holy identity, but then also using it as a, as a vehicle to serve from. Kings that serve, royalty that serves, like Jesus washing feet. He's like, I'm not worthy for you to wash. Like, you can't wash. I need to be washing your feet. That's a high level of honor. And we don't honor because people performed it and deserved it. We honor because we're honorable. We're honored because it's the, na- it's the culture of the kingdom. Right. All right? So, the word for us this morning is new hope is called to be a family that is not stagnant in familiarity and a, and a hometown where prophets are actually honored in their own hometown. And we're going to get there by seeing each other, understanding our own identity, and then seeing one another for that same new creation identity. And then using our own gifts and everything that God's given us and laying that down from a place of service. Uh, service. Um, so I want to have some worship come up real quick. And what we're going to do is we're just going to activate this word. That was a short word. I was kind of glad that there was all these things happening because I was like, I don't have much to say. I have one thing to say. And, uh, and we can go after that. So what I want to do is kind of like a mass sozo. And I believe that there are some of us here who we've been seeing, we, we all have dealt with this where we're seeing other people through a lens that is just based on natural circumstances, natural performance, maybe they frustrated us. It's kind of like, I want to walk you through uh, unfor- uh, you know, forgiveness, but I think it's more about every single one of us has somebody that we've been seeing from a perspective that is not heavenly. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you who that person is and maybe just get one thing or a couple things in your heart that you know you've been seeing them in the wrong light. It might even be true about them, but it's not the most true about them. It might be true they're struggling with something here, but the most true is who they are in Christ. So we're going to lay down this morning false or, or, or ways that we've seen people through the natural lens and we're going to receive 
God's vision and God's perspective of them. Because uh, there's a principle in leadership that how you see people is actually how they'll begin to behave around you. Because you're actually giving them an identity just by the way you see them. And the more that they're around you, the more they begin to see themselves the way that you see them. So if we can begin to see one another the way heaven sees us, the more it'll, it'll actually make it easier for all of us to step into our true identity. It's just, you know? So yeah, if you guys want to go ahead and play, and if I can get you to stand up and put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, God, you know, you know who you want to highlight for us this morning, God. And we just, we thank you for our identity. We thank you for the new creation that you've made us, the holiness that you've given us, the the status that you've given us in your kingdom as uh, sons and daughters seated right at the right hand of the Father with you on the throne. Thank you for that high and lofty status that you've given us, God. But in the same way that you laid it down to serve all of humanity and give up your life and show us how much we're worth, God, we want to also surrender that identity as a vehicle of service to the world. And God, I pray right now that you would show us, show us that person that we've been seeing from a human point of view. Maybe it's a family member, a spouse, a coworker. Forgive us for seeing them from a merely human point of view. And we lay down that perspective of them. Give us the grace. Open up our eyes to see the way that you see, God. We can't strain our eyes enough to see from heaven's perspective, God. We need your grace to do it. Give us the grace to see each other from your vantage point. I mean, do we lay that human point of view down and we receive the heavenly perspective right now of that person? And I believe God is just going to download a new perspective of the people that you're holding in your heart right now. And I would encourage you, when you leave this morning, to write it down in your phone or in a notepad. And whenever that thing begins to rise back up and you begin to see them based off of that circumstance, or that natural thing that's happening, remember what God showed you about that person and begin to declare that over them in your own heart and pray for them with that in mind so that eventually you actually begin to see them. You brainwash yourself into seeing them the way heaven sees them. So brainwash us, God. Brainwash us into seeing each other the way you see us so that we can receive the, the, the fullness of what we all carry. You know, a double portion is the smallest portion you can ask for in the new covenant. Because we've all been given the fullness of God. And the fullness of God exists inside of the person next to you right now. And when you begin to see them for who they are and begin to honor them for who they are, you begin to receive that same fullness. And it moves from glory to glory to glory. <laughs> so God, we, we thank you for taking us there. We don't know all the answers of how to get there, God, but we know that you're taking us to become a home 
where prophets are honored in their own hometown. And we don't become familiar with each other just because we're family. Give us the grace to move in that direction. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Feel free to contact us for further resources at newhopecom.org.